be three verses, verses one through three, where it reads, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you as humbly as we know how this morning. We're just thanking you and praising you, Lord, that you've touched us this morning, that your finger of love woke us up this morning, and you gave us a heart and a mind to, to come and to just be in your presence this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, we thank you that you have designated that we would be together at this time before the foundation of the world to come before you, to get to know you better. Starting with me, Lord, I pray that you allow this word to come alive, to be real in our lives, Lord, so that we will be ever, forever be changed by this encounter. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. From the moment Pastor Benson called me and asked me of my availability to speak today, I have been praying about what the Lord would have me to share today. And I went back and forth because I wanted to do some things that he kept bringing into my spirit. Speak what I want you to speak. And a subject just kept bubbling up, just kept bubbling up. And it was the subject of faith. And I said, Lord, how do you want me to speak to the concept of faith? And he said, speak from fear to faith. Speak from fear to faith. August 22nd, 2021, for most of us is probably an unremarkable time. It's just a day that seems like any other day. But when you look at the world in which we live, there are so many things that are going on. There are so many things that are going on. We have wars that we're trying to get out of where people are literally losing their lives trying to climb on a plane to get out of a country that we have supported for years, for decades. And people are leaving or trying to leave because we're leaving. We have earthquakes in third world countries that are followed up by hurricanes that are affecting people who are least able to bear the brunt of what is being thrown at them. Even in our own country, we have wildfires raging in states upon states that are burning up acres upon acres upon acres of land. And then when you look even closely into our own communities, we have people that are shooting up communities. They, they are targeting one person and they're shooting a hundred times in the hopes that they will get that one person. And if the truth be told, what that inevitably looks like for you and I is we develop something called fear. 
we, we, we get scared. We, 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 be, are, we are fearful people because of the circumstances that we see and that we're living through that are having its effect on us. Now, we don't talk about it a lot, but it's real. And if you, if you think about it and if you process it, some people would say it's only a natural response to what we're seeing and what we're experiencing is the emotion of fear. And I would buy into that with the exception of the Bible. Because the Bible says a lot about fear. As our sister noted earlier, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, God did not give us a spirit of fear. Isaiah 41 and 10 says, fear not, for I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And if you search the Bible over and over and over and over and over and over again, we are encouraged that we should not let fear drive us. As a child of God, we should know better. But why don't we? Well, we don't because fear drives us all too often. So what is the better response to fear? And I would submit to you the better response is faith. Is faith. But that leads to a problem. You see, because faith and fear don't get along. Faith and fear don't coexist. As a matter of fact, faith and fear are diametrically opposed to one another. They are inverse opposites of one another. In other words, faith is on one side and fear is on the other side. And they are so opposed to one another that the more you have of one, the less you have of the other. It's like sand in an hourglass. If you took sand in an hourglass and you turn that hourglass upside down, the sand goes from one end to the other. The more fear you have, the less faith you have. And conversely, the more faith you have, the less fear you have. And so we got we to gotta get together to understand that we need to move from fear to faith as people of God, okay? Now, that's not suggesting that what's going on in the world is to be ignored. That's not saying that if you fall and break your leg, you don't need to go to the doctor. You do. But the problem is we have to get from where we are letting our circumstances govern our faith. And too many of us as Christians are letting our circumstances govern our faith. Which leads to another problem. And that problem is faith defined. Now, I know we're in church. And in church, it's not popular to say you don't understand the concept of faith. It's not a, it's not a cool thing to say I'm not really sure how this faith thing works. But if we were to tell the truth, a lot of us that go to church every Sunday don't understand the concept of faith. Don't understand how faith is to operate within our lives. Now, we, we talk about it because it sounds good. 
but is it a real experience in your life? It's not cool to admit you don't understand the concept of faith. But faith is a challenging concept. Faith is like oxygen. We know we need it, and the more we have of it, it's probably good, but we don't know exactly how it works. So my prayer for us this morning is for us to talk about this concept of faith. The first thing we want to talk about is what is faith? What is faith? The second thing is why we need it. And then lastly, when do we need it? When do we need it? What is faith? Verse 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, by that, that sounds like it's a pretty good definition, okay? But it's really not a definition. It's, it's more of how faith works than defining what faith is. But for us to, to go down this journey where we need to go to understand faith and how it needs to work in our lives, we need, we need a working definition of what faith is. So what I would submit to you today, for, for a starting point, what we need to use as a working definition for faith is faith is taking God at his word. Taking God at his word. Let, let's use that as the backdrop for everything we're going to talk about. Taking God at his word. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Okay? Taking God at his word. Now, there's one thing I need to talk about before we go any further when we talk about taking God at his word. Okay? There is a prerequisite to taking God at his word, and that is knowing his word. Okay? Because if you don't know his word, you can't take him at his word. Too many of us are walking around talking about God helps those who help themselves. The, the devil made me do it. And that sounds good. It, it sounds like there should be a, a, a religious connection there somewhere. But if you look hard enough, you ain't going to find those kind of verses nowhere in the Bible. But we're walking out on faith as if they mean something. And God ain't obligated to honor nothing that ain't his word. Okay? He's obligated to honor his word. And so the reason why we take him at his word is because his word will stand. His word is the foundation for everything that you and I will ever need or do. So we got to know his word. We can't take him at his word if we don't know his word. Faith is a verb is a verb. It's an action word. It's an, it's an action word. So you know how faithful you are by how much your feet are moving. If your feet aren't moving, you're not very faithful. What do I mean? What I mean is faith is fundamentally not how you or I feel. It's not even how we think, okay? We may feel like we're not faithful, we may think we're not faithful, but the, one of the major tests to determine whether or not we have faith is what we're doing with our feet, okay? Because faith is an action word. Faith is tied to 
what you and I are doing, okay? And so it is tied to what we're doing with our feet, with our feet. So that's why you can have a lot of faith but feel like you have none. Because what is determining whether or not you have a lot of faith is what you're doing with your feet. Are you and I taking God at his word? Are we responding to the word that we have heard in a way that is pleasing to him? And so we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail, but that's the first thing we got to understand is that faith has to do with what we do, not what we say. A couple points about faith that is helpful right now. Faith is always, somebody say always. Somebody say always. Always. Always tested. Faith is always tested. Okay? It is always tested. James tells us in the first chapter of the book of James that we ought to be thankful for the various trials that you and I run into because it's a chance to develop our faith. It's a chance to grow us, to mature us, to take us to a different place. And just like when you and I have had to go to school, you got a test to see how much, you learn, how much you've learned. The tests always come, ready or not. The test always comes. Faith is the same way. The test is always coming, and it's designed to mature us, to grow us, to make us more like Jesus, okay? And so the test always comes whether we're expecting it or not. So it helps to know the test is coming because the test is coming, whether you want to accept it or not. But it also is helpful to understand the reason the test is coming is to grow us. It is to grow us. If you have a child that is not developing, something's wrong. Something's wrong, okay? The idea is that we ought to be growing in our Christian walk. That's why it's called the walk of faith, because we ought to be growing. And if we aren't growing, then there is a problem. So there's always a test associated with faith. Faith. The second point that is important to know is you know whether or not you have faith. Whether you want to admit it or not, you know. Okay. Now, how do you know? One of the reasons you know is you can see what you and I are doing. Turn with me to the book of James. One book over, chapter 2. Chapter 2, starting in verse 14. James chapter 2, verse 14, where it reads, starting in verse 14, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Now notice, he says, my brethren. So he's speaking to Christians. He's speaking to you and me. He says, what does it profit you if you say you got faith, but you don't have works? Can faith save them? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of food, and one of you says to him, depart in, in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give him the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit does faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. In other words, what, what James is saying is, 
You talk about the faith that you have, but how is it exercised in the life that you live? Okay. Now, let's be clear. James is not contradicting Paul where Paul talks about faith alone saves us. We understand that. That's not what James is saying. James is saying the faith that you and I say we possess ought to be demonstrated by our feet by what we're doing for somebody else. How many of us can say that we did something for somebody who couldn't help us, who couldn't do anything for us? I know it's going to get quiet in here, but it's okay. Because that's the test. The test, the test is what are you and I doing in faith in response to the faith that we say we have to bless somebody else, to bless somebody else? I would submit to you that we would see God moving more in our culture, in our society, if we as Christians step up and live out our faith by what we do as opposed to what we say. Because it's easy to talk about it. It's easy to talk about it. But it's another thing to do it. It's another thing to be about it. And if we, as God's people, take him more seriously and exercise our faith in what we do, we would see things a little bit differently. He says in verse 18, but some will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe, and they tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Faith without works is dead. So in other words, we, the, the test of whether or not we are being faithful is known. What kind of works are we doing? What kind of works are we doing? So we understand the test is coming, and we understand that there is a barometer to determine if we have faith. The barometer is what we're doing. It's clear. It's not, it's not, it's not hard to figure out. It's not hard to figure out. What actions are we taking to be a blessing to somebody else? So when we go from what faith is, we need to talk about why as we turn back to Hebrews. In verse 2, he says, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. For by it, for by what? For by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. The writer of Hebrews is writing to Christians, and the Christians that he was writing to were struggling. They were being challenged on every side. They, they were living in, they had issues, not unlike issues that we had. And so they needed a good testimony. Anybody here needs a good testimony? <laughs> Before he went into what he was going to go into, he told them, the people that I'm going to tell you about, they all had a good testimony. So he's using them to encourage them. And, and the same thing is true for us. The people that he's going to talk about are being used because some of us can use a good testimony today. And why is faith important? Why is faith important? Verse 6 of Hebrews 11 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, 
it is impossible to please him. Now, please notice that he didn't say it's hard to please him, that it's a challenge to please him, that, you know, you got you to gotta do cartwheels and do this and that. He says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Why, why is this thing so deep that he says, if you don't have faith, you can't please God? Well, the reason why it's so important is because when we don't have faith, what we are doing is challenging God's integrity. That's, that's, that's the bottom. We're challenging God's integrity. In, in our vernacular, what we're doing is we're saying, God, you are a liar. Now, we ain't going to say it out loud, but that's what it boils down to, is that we are challenging God's integrity when we don't have faith. Because God says, the way I designed this thing, the way I set this thing up, okay, is by my word. It's by my word. And by his word is what he does everything. By his word. And so if you don't take him at his word, you and I are challenging his integrity. That's why it's impossible to please him without faith. Then there's a couple points we need to understand to fully get this, process, this, this, this journey that we go on by faith in order to appreciate where God is going to be taking us. And the first thing we have to understand is that we may not always fully get it explained to us, okay? God, let me, let, me, let me just say it this way. God is not obligated to give us his every move. When, when, you, are, when you and I take a step out in faith, okay, we take a step. And if God said take a step, you take a step. But he is not obligated to tell you where your next step is going to take you, Okay. But you, that doesn't mean that you and I don't stop, that we don't, that we don't take that first step. It just doesn't, what it means is he's not obligated to give you the second step, okay? Now, it's important to note that because if you wait to take the first step to see where the second step is going to lead, you might be waiting a long time because God is not obligated to tell us where he's taking us. Look at verse 8. Of Hebrews 11. It says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Not knowing where he was going. He went, he went, God told him to get up and move. Move from your family, move from where you were raised, move from how all the people that you had associations with, he said to go. And the Bible says Abraham got up and went, but he didn't know where he was going, okay? God is not obligated to tell us where he's going to take us, but we still don't have the right to challenge his integrity. So faith is important in that regard. Not only is he not obligated to tell us where he's taking us, okay? It's just like, uh, it's like a detours on a road. I, for the last, uh, since May, I have been primarily working in the Chicagoland area, and I've been coming back and forth. Um, but for those of you that, that know Chicago, they jokingly refer to 
there being two seasons in Chicago. Okay? The one season is winter, and the second season is construction. Okay? And, and if, you, if you spend any time there during this time of the year, you, you're experiencing that because when you get out on the road, you, you get detours because they're doing the road work. And the detours, the, the, the detours are so deep that sometimes the detours have detours, okay? But when you're on that road and you encounter a detour, y y you still follow the road. You, you follow where it's going to take you because somebody designed it to work out for your good. Somebody designed it to work out for your good. So we, we, don't, we have to understand that God doesn't reveal all the detours in our lives when we expect to see it. But nonetheless, we still follow him because we don't want to challenge his integrity. So we don't know how it's always going to work out. But then secondarily, we may not see it through to completion. Okay? Verse 39 of chapter 11 says, And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. They did not receive the promise. So what they experienced, they experienced through faith, but they didn't necessarily receive the promise. God is not obligated in our lifetime to have us see through what he's doing. He may allow it, okay, but he's not obligated. But because he's not obligated, that doesn't mean you and I don't have an obligation to follow him because we're not responsible for the outcome. We're responsible for how our feet move. How powerful is, is this concept of faith? How powerful is this concept of faith? Verse 3 of Hebrews 11 says, By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So powerful is this concept of faith that the Bible tells us that we as Christians by faith accept the fact that God spoke into being from nothing, not just the world that you and I live in, the whole universe, the worlds, the whole universe we know from Genesis came into being because God spoke it into being. That's how powerful his word is. And you and I take it by faith. Because there's nothing else to do. We take it by faith. It's how powerful it is. It's like our salvation comes by faith. Yeah. Ephesians says, for by grace have you been saved through faith. Yeah. It is the gift of God. Okay? So we, we come to him by faith. Yeah. So if we don't get this concept right, if we don't understand that this concept is foundational to what you and I do, then we're missing the mark. So when we talk about what, we talk about why, inevitably we got to talk about when. When is faith important? Chapter 10, verse 38 says, now the just shall live by faith. Now the just shall live by faith. So what does that mean? That means this faith thing has to be our method of operating. 
It has to be our MO. It, it has to be how we roll day in and day out. Okay? We are good. We are good at getting down and needing more faith because we're down. Because the circumstances that we find ourselves in, and, I, and I'm saying down because what the circumstances we find ourselves in aren't pleasing to us. Okay? We, we, we forget that God is in control of everything, so we only see our circumstances, and when we see our circumstances are not necessarily favorable to us, we can be as faithful as we want to be then, okay? Because we figure that's the time to exercise faith. The Bible says, nah, nah, nah. He says the just shall live by faith. That means the way we walk, the way we talk, every decision that we make in life, every decision that comes to us day in and day out ought to be driven by the faith that we say that we have. We ought to be consulting God on every decision that is in front of us on an everyday basis. Verse 5 says, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God, that he pleased God. How do you please God? You please God by walking with him every day, by saying, God, what do you want me to do on this decision? What, what do you want me to do? I, I got this thing before me. What should I do, God? Consulting God on every situation in life is how you please God, okay? Now, does that mean you're going to be perfect? No, it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Because as we look at this list, if we had time, we don't have time to go in through all of them, but as you look at the names of all these individuals are, who are in this chapter who, who live by faith, and you know they live by faith because if you read from Abel to the last person that's mentioned in the chapter, everything that they did, every action that they took, the Bible started off with two words. It said, by faith, by faith. By faith, by faith. Everything that they did, whatever the action was, was done by faith. And they, they didn't always do some great things, but what they did, they did by faith. What pleased God is what they did by faith. So we ain't going to be perfect, but we can live by faith. But it has to be an everyday thing. It can't be just when, you know, God, don't call me, I'll call you. You know, I'll come see you when I want you. Don't, don't bother me. It can't be that. So how do we do it? How do we do it? How do we move from knowing what faith is, knowing why faith is important, knowing that we ought to be walking with him daily and that he ought to be directing our lives in a day-in and day-out way? How do we do it? Well, at the end... Of verse 6, it says, For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder for those who diligently seek him. What, what does that mean? First of all, you got to know who you're coming to, right? <laughs> you you got to know who you're coming to. 
Because you can come to somebody with a problem, and if you're lucky, they might listen to you. They might listen to you. But it's a whole together different thing to be able to do something about it. So it depends on what your expectation. If you want somebody to just listen to you, you can talk to anybody. Maybe they'll listen to you. But it's even better to go to somebody who can do something about it. So we, you got to believe who you're coming to in the first place. And he is a rewarder for those who diligently seek him. In other words, there is an outcome to be expected from seeking him. From seeking. There's an outcome that's going to be to your benefit for, from seeking him. Okay? He's, he's saying, I got something good for you if you want more of me. Okay? So what that, what that really means, what that really means is that the way we do this thing, the, the way we get to this whole faith thing is we need a bigger view of God. That's what it boils down to. We need a bigger view of God. We need a bigger view of God. There is a passage in Scripture that I love, and we have to talk about it because it's so ripe with stuff. It preaches itself. But it, it, it ties in very, very well to what we're talking about. And I just I need to share it with you. Um, it's, in, it's told a couple places, but um, we're going to talk from the book of Mark in chapter 4. Starting in verse 35. We don't have time to get into it in detail. You all know the story. But I do want to highlight a few things that are, I think, um, significant to this understanding how we move from fear to faith. So Mark 4, starting in verse 35, it reads, On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you care that we are perishing? Now, again, we don't have time to get into it too deeply, but uh, you know the story. Jesus is with his disciples. He's taking them on a boat ride. And as you all know, many of them were fishermen, and they arise. They, they, they find themselves involved in a storm. And you know it's a, a bad storm because they were fishermen. If you're a fisherman and you're, and you're scared of a little storm, you're not going to be very good at being a fisherman very long. So, you know it's a bad storm. And so they they sarcastically say to Jesus, do you care that we are perishing? Do you care? Verse 39, then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. 
Okay. So he deals with the circumstances and then he deals with them. And what I want you to see is he asks them two questions. He asks them two questions. Now, you know he knows the answer, but he asks them two questions anyway. First question is, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? And then the second question is, how was it that you have no faith? How was it that you have no faith? Because again, remember, faith and fear don't get along. Jesus says, you can't roll with me being fearful. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Remember, faith is taking God at his word. God said, we're going to the other side. Okay? Now, he didn't say it was going to be a smooth ride. He just said, we're going to the other side. Okay? So he's challenging them to accept them at his word. So what do they say? They fear exceedingly. Okay? But now it's a different kind of fear. It's not the fear of the circumstances. It's the fear of the Savior. Okay? It's a different fear now. Okay? When you and I get a better view of God, a bigger view of God, we fear him more than we fear our circumstances, okay? How you know you're growing in grace, how you know you're growing in your faith is when you fear the Savior more than you fear your circumstances. If, if, you still, if you're still scared of COVID, you need a bigger view of God. Now, I'm not saying COVID ain't real. I'm not saying I'm against masks and vaccination. I'm not saying none of that. Because it's real, okay? But guess what? So is God. <laughs> so is the God who made all that we see and what we don't see. He's just as real, okay? So when we get a bigger view of God, we got a better view of our circumstances. And how do we know that they got a bigger view of God? They said, they asked a question. They didn't answer his question. They asked the question. They said, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him. Yeah. <laughs> Who is this brother that we have been hanging out with that we thought we knew, <laughs> that we thought we knew, that can do this kind of stuff, okay? They got a bigger view of God. They got a bigger view of God. Some of us have been coming to church for years and years and years, okay? And still got God in the manger. And he can't do nothing but be a nice little baby on Christmas. We need a bigger view of God. We need a bigger view of God. Whatever challenges you're facing on your job, with your boss, with coworkers, if that's all you see, you need a bigger view of God. If you're worried about your kids that ain't acting right, that ain't doing right, that ain't living right, and that's all you see, you need a bigger view of God. If somebody is blocking your ministry from growing the way you think it ought to be growing, and that's all you see, you need a bigger view of God. You need a bigger view of God. That, that's how we move from fear to faith, is by putting God in his rightful place and walking in light of what we know. I had to get a new phone recently. And I'm not the gadget guy, okay? I'm not the gadget guy. My phone is... I know it's probably antiquated for some of you people, but I, my phone is for calling people, the occasional texting, using Google Maps to find out where I got to go, and occasionally jumping on the internet, okay? I'm not the social media guy. I don't do no selfies, okay? So I don't need all that. 
But if you buy a phone today, what you will find is that your phone has all that other stuff, okay? It's, it's designed for people that are on social media, that are doing the selfies. And so what you get with your phone is a better camera nowadays, okay? As a matter of fact, I will submit to you that today you don't buy a phone, you buy a camera that you can talk on, okay? That's what you get now, okay? Because that's, that's how deep it is. But I have a confession to make to you this morning. I have become a nerd. I have become a nerd. To all of you nerds that are out there, my apologies, but I have become a nerd. Because when I, when I get home from work and when I'm away, a lot of times I like to just sit on my deck and just sit out there and, and watch the birds. And I have learned from the birds. I have learned. I have learned that a robin is different than a cardinal. And a cardinal is different than a bluebird. They, the, way they, the way they behave, the way they, the way they migrate, the way they interact is different. And I sit out there sometimes and I just enjoy watching them. But with my old phone, sometimes when a, when a cardinal would appear, I would try to get a picture of it. And my old phone, it had a zoom on it, but it was only 10x, okay? But because of the new technology of the new phone, now, my new phone has a 100x zoom. So I can zoom in on that bad boy now, okay? I, I, I can see what it looks like. I can see the characteristics of what that bird acts like. Because before, when I was looking with my old phone, I wasn't really seeing it. I didn't, I didn't diligently search for it. But when I got my new phone, it had features on it it had a 100x zoom that I can get in there and I can see what the characteristics of the bird looks like. I can see what it's doing. I can see how it acts. I can see how it behaves. I got a better view of the bird. All because I sought out some features that I didn't have before. Brothers and sisters, God is saying to us this morning, if you want to move in faith, if you want to get away from fear, you need a bigger view of me. You need to search me out diligently. And you need a bigger view of me. And when you get a bigger view of me, you will move from fear to faith. Let us stand as we pray.